0: Rise up young man, rise up young lady, you are not alone, no matter what you're going through, it is going to pass, you're gonna come on the other side, you keep shining. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of You Are Not Alone podcast by Mamba Inspire Brand. Like the title suggests, the purpose of this podcast is to help people out there who are going through unimaginable struggles know that they are not alone and believe that they will come out on the other side. Good morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Today is our first day back since uh, last year. So Happy New Year's to everybody. It's our first year back here in uh, in the studio. So today we have a very special guest with us. Uh, we decided to change it up a little bit and uh, Away from the students and bringing an advisor, actually my advisor who took care of me since I came here at UT. So Imari Vielta is our guest today. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited about this. Of
0: course, this is an I think this is an honor for us. It is, it's amazing to have you in the studio. Also today we have our co my co-host here, Khalid Osman, uh, my guy. My big brother here at UT, we started this together. How
2: you doing, bro? I'm good, I'm good. Finally uh, night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, finally I'm on an interview. Usually I'm in the uh, the background. I, I do a lot of the audio editing and, and the posting onto the um, podcast platforms. And so uh, we've been in this together for about two years now. We moved away from videos and onto podcasts and things have been going
0: well. Man, yeah, we've been, we've been coming up with new projects every year, just trying to improve, keep the groove going. But I'm really appreciative of you. I I think without you, this wouldn't be anywhere. So thank you for that. Of course. So before we start this amazing interview, (laughs) let's, uh, we want to take this opportunity to honor uh, the passing of Kobe Bryant. It was one of the big, most memorable day, uh, significant days, 2020. It took us all in shock. I remember the first time I learned about Kobe Bryant was in my book notebooks. Uh, growing up in Guinea, he was his pictures was in our notebook. He was like an idol, and you would never think someone like him could be taken away so early like that. But this is just a reminder to see that nobody death is bigger than everybody. So I want I want to send sincere condolences to everybody out there who's suffering from his love loss. Uh, I know you are a uh, you are a big fan of him you are a laker fan yeah most
2: definitely um and i think uh, everything we do is just to honor his legacy uh, moving forward and um you know there's nothing we can do to bring him back but we can uh, honor the legacy by moving forward and, and um, you know praying for everybody who was lost everyone who lost a family member um in that tragic incident so yeah thank you for taking the time to pass your condolences my condolences also um, to all the families and uh, anyone who's been affected by the tragedy
0: definitely uh Ima, <laughs> thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you. I, I, I know you are busy. You have a busy day.
1: Not today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's start by uh, you telling us a little bit about uh, uh, what you do here at UT, the different roles that you have had since you started here at UT.
1: Sure. I'm. I know you introduced me as an advisor, and I'm I'm not actually sure how your experience with me as your advisor Mm -hmm. is very common for a lot of people at this campus. But I started in biomedical engineering as an assistant academic advisor. So I've been doing this since 2008 in the Cockrell School. I did a very small uh, stint in the College of Nursing, or the School of Nursing as well. So I've kind of kept my career working with uh, science and STEM students through the University of Texas at Austin. So I've been here for a while. And most people think academic advising is maybe I help someone pick classes. But honestly, in the last 10 to 11 years, I don't usually do much of that. I do a lot of what some people at this university would call student success. Mm -hmm. And I, I meet students. I sit and listen to them I hear if they have any barriers. We talk about ups and downs. And it just so happens they might have left my office with a set of classes. And I feel like I've been doing that better and better every year, but I certainly was not an expert at it in 2008. Not at all. Man.
0: When I met you, (laughs) you surely were like an expert.
2: Uh, (laughs) I feel like you're undermining it, (laughs) but... Uh, Real quickly, um, is there there a reason why you prefer to work with um, STEM students particularly um, rather than uh, the general population, I guess, at the university?
1: Um, Well, I feel like um, it is very possible that I could have left to work with um, other areas of campus like College of Liberal Arts or um, the social work. It just so happened that my academic advising career has been – I've been promoted, um, so I went from an assistant – to an associate, to a senior, to a, a coordinator. Okay. It just so happened that the Cockrell School, uh, along with a lot of engineering students, have gotten an opportunity. I've gotten an opportunity when I've been staying in the Cockrell School. So gotcha. that's why I've been staying with STEM. But now that I've been doing it so long, I kind of feel like I that this is my place. I should stay and work with students in the, any form of engineering or science and technology. Gotcha. So I want to be I want to be truthful about that. It's right. possible if I was promoted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah.
0: So you grew up in uh, Brown. You you were born in Brownsville, right?
1: I was born in Brownsville, Texas. It's but in the valley. In mm-hmm. case some people aren't familiar um, geographically where that's located, it's right on the border of uh, Mexico and Texas. Okay. So I have a, a lot of family who were born in Mexico, but um, being born and sort of raised until I was four in Brownsville, and then moving to Austin. For my parents, at least their stories was an interesting experience Mm -hmm. being Mexican-Americans moving into Austin um, in the 80s. Wow! I remember a story my parents told me that their realtor encouraged them, well, don't you want to live in East Austin? Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, well, we want to live in the Round Rock ISD school district. Like Westwood High School is actually one of the schools I went to. And I just thought it was interesting that you just, you just can't get away from it. There yeah. are there are biases that people have, and uh, as long as you can push through them, you will have successes in your life. And that's what my parents did for me and my sisters.
0: Definitely. Did they tell you how hard it was coming in the 1980s, uh, how hard it was for them to settle in and just start a new life here in the U.S., away from family in Mexico?
1: Uh, my parents... Um, really did grow up in Brownsville, and it was actually hard being away from family. Family uh-huh. is very, cl- we're all very close, and I think that's a very common thing with a lot of uh, minorities is that we stick with family, so I think that was a challenge, but they didn't really give us many stories about any particular biases or um, struggles they went through. I think they did that on purpose. If you don't talk about it, then no limit. F- you just persevere. You don't put that in front of you. I think that's what my parents did on purpose.
0: Yes, Mm ma'am.
1: But very interesting stories that I hear as an adult that they never said to us at all was my mom was at the grocery store. And again, this was in the 80s. And um, they didn't want to let her purchase groceries. I mean, it doesn't make any sense now that in in 2020 that my parents might bring up a story like that. But that's kind of harsh to hear but mm-hmm. never heard it growing up and I think it was for a reason
2: yeah and right now I get that a lot too with my parents they tell us a lot of stories later in life um, when they think you're ready to hear it I guess yes, um, yes. and they just don't they don't want to cloud your judgment or, or how you'll go about life mm-hmm. I think um, which is which is good but also at the same time sometimes those stories would be nice to hear um, growing up so yeah. cool um, do you want to tell us a little about a little bit about your college journey I mean, I'm sure now that you are uh, an advisor uh, and, and all the resource that you're providing with students, you might have had some advisors um, that you enjoyed or or that you didn't enjoy or, mm-hmm. um, you know, what were some of the things that you're doing now that you wish that your advisors would have done or um, just a little bit about that journey?
1: I feel like my experience is extraordinarily different from the students that I meet because um, I went to institutions that didn't have um, – this, I guess we don't have enough room in this section. Like I wanted to, if I wanted to take a class, it wasn't impossible to take it. I I, I, there wasn't actually a need to go speak to an advisor um, back when I was in school. But I do remember distinctly, I went to an academic advisor when I was at the University of Texas in San Antonio. And I asked her if she would be interested in writing, filling out an application with me for a scholarship. And she said, no. And I, I kind of found I, that story actually stuck with me. So oh, wow. I, I and that was a long time ago. I'm not going to say what year I graduated <laughs> uh, the, that institution, but that long ago and it still sticks with me. I do think about that when students ask me for a guidance or assistance on filling out something. That's one thing I will absolutely remember. But I never had a struggle in finding classes. I never had a struggle speaking to people but sometimes i wonder that at this university there's just so many students that sometimes people get lost and they fall through the cracks Mm -hmm. i didn't feel that way when i was in school Mm -hmm. and then of course graduate school is a lot different it's so much a smaller community that it was easy to find someone or find an answer right
0: yeah i was talking to uh cindy
1: Cindy Zimmerman. Yeah, Cindy Shout Zimmerman. Shout out to Cindy Zimmerman. Yeah, she's,
0: uh, I think she's one of the people that have been at engineering advising for a long time. Yes. And she was... OG. Yeah, she was telling me about her journey, how she went from coming in to becoming uh, that advisor, and she talked about how... Uh, there are the difference between the good advisors versus the great advisors. Mm-hmm. The, great ad- the good advisors make sure they do the j- job well, but the great advisors really try to go beyond their job and make sure that there is that care, that passion to help the student in as much uh, as possible. And she gave me the example of you as you coming in and having that mentality Coming in from college and coming to as an advisor, where did that come from? That the passion to just go beyond.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, okay. So I believe that if somebody um, wants to do something that they and they have it in them, they can do it. But then on the other side of that, I also believe that sometimes it's just innate. It's inside you, and I th- really think my parents is th- that's the reason why I am the way I am. So it you have this. It's, in, it's inside you, but also um, you. You're, when you're a child, it's cultivated in you from your parents and a work ethic. I think that is actually 90% of it. Um, I get it from my, my family. So I don't actually think on a day-to-day ba- basis I do a comparison. Am I good today or am I great today? Mm-hmm. But I will never forget this phrase, culture of care, that is – one of the things that I have lived by for a really long time is just making sure every human you meet, that you care about them. And when you leave that interaction, they, they have one more person in their life that they can ask for help. That's like something that's just been going on and on in my life for years.
2: Gotcha. Um, it's sort of just a follow-up to that is, is uh, how much of work do you take home? It seems like, you know, when you, when you talk about going above and beyond and, and being passionate for students, Students will sometimes email you in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so how much of, of what you do every day do you take home with you?
1: I, I think it's actually pretty common in um, the life of uh, what you'd call student affairs. The The more stories you hear, the more people you meet. Right. Sorry, I should probably speak in <laughs> No, you fine. The more people you meet, you tend to hear very incredible, extraordinary stories, and it doesn't, doesn't stop at 5 p.m. Right, right. So I take everything home with me, and uh, I do not violate FERPA privacy law, <laughs> but I, I actually do share this with my uh, spouse. So he hears about it. Right. Sometimes I share it with my father. So he hears about it. So when someone comes and meets with me and they need to get something off their chest and, and that really I took it home with me. And then I sometimes have to have my own version of that with uh, a partner or a family member. Right. So I take a, quite a bit of it home. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think I do a, a very good job of self-care myself.
2: All right, that's very important. Um, you know UT is, is one of the largest schools in the nations, and, and you know relatively, I guess to some of the, the other uh, schools, it, we have somewhat of a diverse population. Um, if you take the engineering school, um, as advisors, you're really attending to students of diverse backgrounds, right They come from all over. Um, how do you make sure you learn about the different ways? that each student needs to be attended to. You know, I'm sure it's not a cloak that, you know, one size fits all for all students. And so can you walk us a little bit through that process?
1: Absolutely. So I like what you just said, which is it's not a one size fits all. And I know that I could uh, read a lot of research, um, like what's going on in Inside Higher Ed, what's going on in the Chronicle of Higher Education, where we talk about first generation college students, what's going on with um, students from low socioeconomic backgrounds. But I feel like sometimes that's generalizing populations, and I don't believe there's a one-size-fits-all. So how I do it is I treat everyone like an individual. Right. And uh, I'm I'm also going to be very transparent with everyone. Because I'm uh, Mexican-American, I just feel like I understand sometimes, not everyone, what it feels like to feel like you weren't heard or that you have a barrier in front of you. Hmm. But all students have some kind of barrier, no matter what your background is. So I actually choose to do it individually. Right, right. But it is important to understand like what is uh, going on in, in, in our country and our students. So to read about um, best practices on how to help students who are meeting barriers is a very good thing to do, and I try my best to do that.
0: Gotcha, mm-hmm. uh, Question to that. So I talked to so many people, uh, even students that came to this podcast talking about uh, the lack of help they had from advisors outside, not in engineering, but around UT. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I heard stories where people say they needed help. They went to their advisors and the advisor was more focused on maybe you should drop out of this class or stuff like that, or maybe you shouldn't be a pre and stuff like that. How does the engineering schools make sure that, what's the difference between the engineering school and everybody else you think in uh, UT? How do they make sure that advisors are just there to push students to follow whatever they want and give them the best advice?
1: That's a good question because um, I'm very, uh, I, I, did t- I tend not to leave the engineering building. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, oh, the sun is so bright. Haven't been outside. So I, I don't typically um, interact and that's actually maybe a problem that I need to fix within myself. I don't usually interact with a lot of people around campus. So I, I don't think I can answer properly what's the difference. I just know that engineering is great. And I know that it's great because I interact with the all of the engineering advisors. So I know each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. And I believe that many of us practice that culture of care. But I, I, knew, I do know where you're coming from, because I have heard from students who have friends in other colleges. And uh, one story in particular was an engineering student was coming to see Cindy, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I believe it, it might not be an exact quote, but I believe the student said, I really need to go talk to my advisor. I got to tell her something. And their friend said, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and then they reported that, I don't know who my advisor is in, in my college, and yeah. I can't remember what college that is. But that was re- that really stuck with me too. Right. That um, the answer, the question was, why are you going to go tell your advisor that story? Be- because she's in it. Like everything that y'all tell us, we take home with us. Right. We're in it with you. You have an interview. I'm in it too. I want to know how your interview went. And so I think that's why there's a difference possibly between uh, the the advisors and the Cockrell School.
2: Right.
1: We're very excited whether it's a great news, good news, but we're also wanting to help if it's not great news too.
0: Definitely.
2: I, I do tend to hear that a lot. Uh, however, is the students saying, I don't know who my advisor is, especially, you know, freshmen going into school. You know, I've got, I've got younger siblings who start college and, you know, they're asking me questions about how to register for class, or you know, how to do this or how to do that. I was like, well, "Why don't you talk to your advisor?" And they're like, "Where do I find them, or who are they?" And and I think that's sort of sad, especially as a as a freshman coming in. Um, I think the advisors should introduce themselves in the beginning, you know, and let people know that, "Hey, I am your advisor, um, and I'm here to help guide you through this next four years." Especially someone coming in at such a young
1: age. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's
2: really cool that you guys do that.
1: I think it's sad, too. Um, I will say, though, that in particular with you, Mamadou, Mm -hmm. is that um, it's a partnership. I can't force someone to come and see me. Uh, But the difference between Mamadou is that you were open to seeking help. And uh, I think a lot of students are afraid to ask for help. No, definitely. And that is another thing I wanted to bring up to both of you today was um, I also try, let's say someone's a junior. And uh, they come and talk to me and they say, how do I get into this class? And you think to yourself, well, well you've been here for a few years now. Maybe right. you shouldn't, you know how to do that. That is not how I approach a student at all. I've never seen you in my life. Mm-hmm. You came in here. You wanted to see me. You want help on how to get into that class? I'll tell you. Right. And I help that person. It doesn't matter what kind of question it exactly. was. Right, right. And I hope that person comes back. And and, and I think maybe that could be a difference with other people is Mm -hmm. that somebody might have said to that student, well, you should know that by now. I I don't like that. I don't want people doing that to me, so I don't do that to people.
0: Exactly. And I feel like that's the biggest difference. Students coming in as a freshman knowing that the biggest, the most important thing they can do is finding someone who cares for them Mm -hmm. personally, Mm -hmm. like an advisor. And knowing that and also taking the steps to go and introduce themselves and doing all of that. So one of the biggest thing that I've, so I came here freshman year, and when I came here you were an advisor. And since then you've been, you've been going up the ladder, uh, multiple ladders. And uh, one thing I've noticed about you, you welcomed me in your office coming in, talking about my dreams mm-hmm. and uh, whatever I wanted to talk about. But one thing I saw also in you was the fact your hustle. Like you, <laughs> you, were, you were always working hard, trying to. You 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 were you never said okay this is it, and you always were trying to improve yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, you took time to to study for your PhD, and you got your PhD while being an advisor still and having a family. Mm-hmm. How hard was that journey for you to just decide okay this is what I want? I need to figure out how to get it, and I don't need to stop anything else. I just need to add it to my plate and get it done. Yeah,
1: I appreciate that you you call it hustle because that's what I, me and my husband call it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so, it. So, um, prior to, well, in, even before and after, I would call my personal advisors or people I get guidance from are both my parents and um, my spouse, and so it's just ingrained in us um, to. Keep asking, keep asking. And I think that's a, um, a hard thing to do for a lot of people, but in particular, I think uh, underrepresented minorities. And I remember in the Daily Texan, and apparently it came out in the Houston Chronicle recently about the uh, disparaging salaries among certain groups at the University of Texas. And so that is just something that's just been ingrained is just ask for what you want. And honestly, the worst that happens is they'll say no. Mm-hmm. And no, right, right. no doesn't feel that bad keep going and I think that's really the what um, encompasses y'all's program is that resilience that persistence you hear a no don't let it might be a no that day but don't let it be a no for the rest of your life right, right. so just keep asking and um, and wh- even though whatever you ask for is a no, don't stop your hustle because hard work will always pay off no matter what no, no. Uh, work ethic is what people remember about you right. and I get that from my parents. Yes,
0: ma'am. I feel like quick example for that, when you were talking about this studio uh, before we got on air, so when I came here the first time, I learned about the studio and asked them, hey, can I use this studio? They say, are you a student here? I'm like, yeah, I'm in engineering. They were like, no, it's only for communication. <laughs> but I didn't take the no. I was like, how can I find a way to get in here? Mm-hmm. And I found somebody who could sponsor me to get
1: it didn't it doesn't hurt that bad for the no it might uh the first time you hear it because that's maybe one of the first times you heard it you had a disappointment Mm -hmm. but honestly it it, this the phrase does kind of sound silly but it really does make you stronger it makes you more bold it makes you go for what you want until you get it Mm -hmm. and that is honestly what everyone should do in all aspects of their life
2: and another example of that uh, it's a little off topic but just in terms of like applying for scholarships um now you know being in school so long i apply for everything and if i don't get it i just delete the email you know it doesn't matter because at least i applied and i have something that i can use for another scholarship later Mm -hmm. but i think what happens is a lot of kids tend to not if you don't come in with scholarships you stop applying you sort of just figure out that you, or you sort of like tell yourself that you've got to do this on your own, or that you're not good enough, or it gets you down. And honestly, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes whoever's reviewing the scholarship applications just doesn't know, or sometimes there's not enough numbers. I mean, there's a ton of factors that plays into it, but just keep applying, mm-hmm. um, and eventually something will come your way. I mean, um, and especially if you keep applying to the same scholarship, I'm sure if they see your name three times, they'll they'll understand what you mean by I'm a dedicated and hardworking person. So. Yeah.
0: Definitely, the mm-hmm. harder you work, the luckier you get.
1: Mm-hmm. But, Definitely. I, believe, I believe in that. And um, also, I, I understand, though, someone who's really young, their f- their first time at UT, and they feel like they're getting disappointment after disappointment right. and barrier after barrier. It's very exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. So don't get me wrong for the folks that are listening. like It it's, it's can be a hard road. But yeah. uh, honestly, if you keep hustling, it will happen for you.
0: Definitely. Connected to that, uh, talking about People who get that first wall thrown at them uh, the first time, so so many students come to come to UT as a freshman. Uh, everybody knows the University of Texas at Austin is one of the best schools in the nation mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. right? We attract very smart people. Sometimes most of these smart people have never failed a day in their life. right? Mm-hmm. But they come to UT and they find that everybody's smart. Mm -hmm. But also, the professors here, education here is trying to make you ready for the world. You are the one who's going to go out there and change the world. So they really try you. They really give you challenges. Mm -hmm. So, so many students, though, who are so smart, who never felt a day in their life, hit that wall. And when they hit that wall, they feel like there's no way to make that world budge and they just decide to give up. Mm-hmm. How do we, how does the engineering school like try to instill that in these students to believe?
1: I think part of it is definitely academic advising. I mean, maybe in the early days of academic advising in the 90s that it was really about, here are your classes. Mm-hmm. But honestly, in the 21st century, it is about helping students transition to this u- rigorous university and also extraordinary engineering school. Right. And so part of our job is to help with that piece, uh, helping the transition, because if a student doesn't get any guidance, they will hit that wall. And the, pr- the problem is, is how do you force a person to come and speak to someone? That's the problem that we experience. Um, one mechanism which can be feel very punitive is that in advising, we'll place a registration bar On a student's record so you can come and speak to a human about life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, nothing is going on. Everything's great. Awesome. I agree with the schedule you've come up with. But many times it's the folks that um, that was how we grabbed them was, ha, you can't register. And then you tell me how your life is going. But uh, some students, they're so uh, down that um, it doesn't matter. Their bar isn't clear. They just don't register at all. And that's really hard to do. We could call them, we could email them, we can send them a secure academic note, but uh, the problem in life in general, not just school, is that you can't make people do what you want, and that is the crux of how people fall through the cracks.
2: Definitely, I agree with that. Mm
1: -hmm. I wish I had a magic, I mean, I'm sure if I had a scholarship, they'd uh, contact me. Yeah, yeah.
2: Definitely. I think college is all about money and pizza. Uh,
0: But you decided to go beyond uh, the job by thinking about outside the box, right? You decided to, you thought about creating a program. Mm -hmm. The Ramshorn School Program, one of the best programs here uh, in engineering who's helping students coming in adapt uh, and just help them get through the first years until they are ready to fly Mm -hmm. using their own wings. What motivated you to, to to go outside the box and think about those ideas?
1: Well, first, I want to give a shout-out to Kristen Kessel, who is the director of the Ramshorn Scholars Program. Definitely. She's made some uh, huge milestones with the Ramshorn Scholars Program, so that's uh, very exciting to see it just kind of take off. But um, what is, uh, I guess, rough about um, one of the hard things about the University of Texas is that We don't control what happens in P through 12 or K through 12, Mm -hmm. and so um, it isn't fair in the state of Texas that there are school districts that don't have enough, and so there are technology disparities. There are access to dual credit, access to advanced placement, and IB disparities. Not every student in the state of Texas gets equal education. Correct. And so then you have this automatic admit law that says certain percentages of the state can be admitted to UT. And it's our job to help students reach their potential. But if we have a student who didn't have access to calculus in high school because they're from a a rural area or they're from a school district um, in a certain uh, place in Texas, it is our responsibility to help them with calculus if they've never had it in high school. So kind of where I'm, I'm leading to to try and answer your question is we're doing a disservice to those students who have every right to be a Texas Longhorn engineer, mm-hmm. but unfortunately they haven't been prepared for it. And that has nothing, again, to do with UT Austin. It has to do with they didn't have access to the right classes to be ready. Definitely. So. Th- The Ramshorn Scholars Program, I think, is helping those individuals so that they don't leave the University of Texas. Again, they are hardworking students. They have the right to be here and earn that same degree as someone who had all access to laptops. And they have an associate's degree by the time they're done with high school, like – That's a huge disparity, and it's our job to help them, and so is the, there is the Ramshorn Scholars Program to help students reach their potential. Definitely. And that's the goal of the Cockrell School, is to help increase engineering education and help our students succeed.
0: Yeah, the goal is to make every, to get everybody to graduate.
1: Get everyone possible to graduate, but think about. Um, that individual who is from a, a high school that doesn't have the same resources, and then they come here, and then they start to second guess, am I supposed to be an engineer? And that is horrible. You are supposed to be an engineer. Tell me what you need so we can get you to that diploma. You know, that sort of thing. Right, right. So I, I, I believe a lot of people in the Cockrell School feel that way too. Uh, it's just that we don't see it. We don't see the the high school kids we don't see the middle schoolers and the elementary school's kids we just see you when you get here and then we have to we have to help you get access to the right information to help you succeed in classes Definitely.
2: And I've seen programs now um, that I've volunteered at such as the Longhorn Engineering which you know introduces ch- uh, kids uh, middle school high school elementary school early on mm-hmm. um, to sort of these these career paths um, especially kids who come from schools who they would otherwise not have been introduced um, to engineering or science, technology or math in the same way that you would be um, through through programs. And I really appreciate UT for for hosting those things because, you know, nothing can stop a kid that's inspired. Um, and and, and um, I think inspiring kids should be the goal, um, mm-hmm. especially and then getting them here and, and getting them out into society and preparing them. But, uh, you know, sort of going back to to you um, as an advisor, and I know we keep going back to this. Um, you were you were awarded the Vic Advising Award, and so, you know that that's sort of a prestigious accolade. Accolade, and we wanted to talk to you about what that meant to you, um, to to be recognized for how amazing you are as an advisor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I like the way you put it. I'm amazing. <laughs> my, mom, my mom tells me every day that I'm number one. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, that one means the most to me because that is actually student nominated. Gotcha. There are awards that exist um, around that your colleagues nominate you for, or your supervisor might enter you into um, an application. But I, uh, thankfully, the Texas X's group will give you back the the words that the student wrote about you. Oh wow. Oh and I still have those. It's in an envelope uh-huh. at my house. So uh you go you know you you read it and then you cry your eyes out <laughs> pretty <laughs> much. Um and it it is helpful um for a student not to nominate you but for a first student to give an advisor feedback mm-hmm. on how this how it was because sometimes you have no idea if you help someone. Uh, there are several occasions where I, I meet a person and I never see him again right. um, um, until I have, have to work the commencement ceremony. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> when you couldn't get into that class. Look at you, you're, you're graduating. So um, to be able to to actually read in written word five or six students that said that I helped them in some kind of way uh, is extraordinary. I mean, that means the most to me.
2: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. So from... <laughs> So, I had one question from the Ramshorn thing. So, coming up with that idea and uh, that was so, it was like a baby, right? It's something that's just come outside the box. How hard was it to develop something like that uh, in the engineering school? Like, did you receive a lot of support for when you came up with that idea?
1: Yes. The provost's office, mm-hmm. 100%, um, is dedicated to student success and, and supports the Ramshorn Scholars Program. Dean Wood is 100% involved in the Ram- Ramshorn Scholars Program. Everyone in the Cockrell School is invested, for sure, in helping students succeed. That's so it is was not hard at all mm-hmm. to get people to um, see the significance and the importance behind it. It was but honestly uh, lots of things involve money how do you have a uh, programming without money so as long as there are individuals out there that can help support the Ramshorn scholars program mm-hmm. it will continue going but um, it doesn't it doesn't take a lot from the staff side we know how to support students but if we want to get you access to a research design project if we want to get you access to how to build something in the Texas Invention Works. Sometimes all of that involves a little bit of money. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of how the world operates. If you have a little bit of money, you can come up with something. But um, because there are so many high level people at this university that are interested in student success, it actually has been a little bit easier um, bec- with their support.
0: Definitely.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's awesome. I have a follow up question, or not a follow up question, but a completely random question. Um, you know, as an advisor, you probably see thousands of students, I mean, in the time that you've been here who have graduated and moved on and, mm-hmm. and gone forward with their lives. And and I'm just thinking back, you know, my advisor probably did some amazing things for me, but I'm not in touch with them. Yeah. Um <laughs> and so from your perspective, you know, how, how does it they, feel? They
1: may not th- work in the, the department anymore. <laughs> right, right.
2: <laughs> and so from your perspective, sort of, you know, you you've helped this this young individual become an adult and become a professional um does it hurt when they don't reach out back to you or do you just feel good knowing that they're uh, out there thriving um,
1: oh no, not at all like you do you you live your life There was a reason why you were here and uh, i believe that um relationships or friendships or whatever you want to call it sometimes do have a beginning and end and this is the end of this chapter but that doesn't mean uh, if i don't hear from you that it's completely over it's just you, you are now moving on with your life but sometimes um I do keep in contact with a lot of students. In fact, they'll invite me to their weddings. Um, That's kind of cool. That That is really cool. um, And it's also kind of funny that one of the weddings I attended um, was like a bunch of professors and some grad students, and it's like (laughs) I was at work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was at work while I was at a wedding. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of nice, though, that we have um, all this social media because just because we don't talk to each other. We will be friends on Facebook, or we'll be friends on LinkedIn, and, and I will pr- we'll will help each other where, uh, with both of our careers. Right. And uh, I, I still get to see what's going on in their life, and it's okay that we don't talk to each other on a daily basis. Well, Mamadou,
2: you better stay in touch. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. I'm no. constantly
1: uh, putting stuff on your LinkedIn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can I help Mamadou inspire? Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, definitely.
0: Ima. Matter of fact, I, I still remember the first time we met. I, Sometimes I always go back to that. I'm like, wow, if that didn't happen. You know, at the end of high school, I, I had a surgery on my knee. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of my best friends telling me that everything happened for a reason. And fast forward, I came to orientation here at UT, mm-hmm. right? And we were supposed to do this group tour. I was on crutches. Yes. And I couldn't do that group tour. So I stayed back, Mm -hmm. and then I saw a group of few advisors talking. Mm -hmm. I decided maybe I should go introduce myself. Yes, I remember coming, you were in the front. Everything happened for me. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, she was in the front. She was the first one who who looked back when I was coming down the stairs, and I introduced myself to you, and I said, Hey, my name is Mama Dubalde, and uh, I'm very excited to come to UT, but I'm very nervous. I'm willing to work hard, but I need somebody to help me through this. Mm-hmm. And I remember you said, "I got you. Just come to the office uh, when school start. We, we'll work on it." Mm-hmm. And I feel like meeting you was the luckiest thing that happened, cause there are so many instances that you helped me overcome through through some bumps, mm-hmm. right? And uh, from there, you were always there, talking about anything, family stuff. Uh, during, during when i started my first organization uh you were there to support when the company started when the do profit you were always there through the successes and the failures mm-hmm. when i wanted to drop my first class uh you were there and you gave me advice you never said oh you never looked at me my first thing when i came to that room i was like oh maybe i gonna think i'm failing i don't know but <laughs> You looked at me, you understood it so well. You're mm-hmm. like, no, that's, that makes sense. You should go to that trip. instead. So, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. just took it like you felt like you were in this together. I really appreciate that. I don't know how how, <laughs> how naive or, or I looked that day when I approached you, but I feel like it was... Uh, Meant to be. Yeah.
1: I feel like if um, everyone did what you did, they would get the help that they're looking for but you were brave enough to actually introduce yourself. Um, you, This is your first day at orientation. You were brave enough to introduce yourself and, and literally say, I need help. And that is very hard for a lot of people to do. And the fact that you did it on your first day of orientation really set a path for your success with you about to graduate because you're not afraid to ask for help. Definitely. So I think that was a thing. And honestly, I'm I proud if. But when you say like things are meant to be and they're supposed to happen the way they're supposed to happen, is I could have called in sick that day, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't call in sick that day. Yeah. And then also, if you hadn't had knee surgery, I wonder if you had gone on that tour and you would never have introduced I would have yourself never met you. to. Well, you probably would have. M- maybe. Met. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure we would have met at some point. Yeah. But I don't know if you would have actually said, "Hi, my name is Mama du and I need help," because you wouldn't have had knee surgery. So there's so many things. It just so happened there was all the stars aligned the universe aligned for uh, you to meet uh, a person that day that we can keep in contact. You know what I mean? Definitely.
0: So, and talking about beyond going <laughs> the, the regular, like you you, you gave us food sometimes. on <laughs> oh, I
1: feel like I've been on a diet ever since I met you, so I'm constantly trying to give food away so I don't eat it myself. But, um, yeah, I feel like... Um, it's a it's a it's not about the food. It's or it's not about the notebook. It's, it's just scary. it's a yeah yeah. That's that's kind of what it is. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I kind I, I want to go back a little bit to you know the story that Mamadou just told, especially for um, our our younger viewers and listeners. And and I'll, I'll reiterate that one of the most admirable thing admirable things about Mamadou is that he is not afraid to introduce himself to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he'll, he'll tell you how we met, we were at the airport going to a conference, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like you know. I see him, he sees me, but I'm like, you know what? I don't wanna, I don't like talking to people at the airport. Um, and then he just comes up to me, he says, hey man, are you going to the same place that I'm going? I said, I think so, are you going here? He's like, yeah, I was like, oh, cool, cool. He's like, I'm Mamadou, I was like, okay, I'm Khalid. And then <laughs> we just talked the whole time and then it was a Southwest flight, so we ended up sitting next to each other and just mm-hmm. getting to know each other. Um, and ever since that was like three or four years ago and since then we've been friends, so. Yeah. Um, it's really admirable about Mamadou, you know, being willing to be vulnerable and introduce himself it's, it's sort of like the you know the worst thing you can get is a no um, when you go and, and you know make yourself vulnerable and, and, and uncomfortable and go and talk to somebody you know just to say I need help or or to say you know I'd like to get to know you the worst thing that can happen is they say that no you know I don't want to help you or no I don't want to get to know you and mm-hmm. you know you move on with life there's Seven billion people on the planet. I'm sure you'll find somebody else <laughs> that you can talk to. So <laughs>
1: you um, found one at the airport. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's possible. Definitely.
0: <laughs> so, no, knowing you, Ima, I, I'm sure. I'm. I know you are always trying to improve yourself to get to that next thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Making sure that you are doing your your job, your work well in what you are, but also focusing on how to improve to to get to that higher level where you can impact more people. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you are working on right now? What are some future plans, goals?
1: Um, personal or professional? Does it Anything.
0: that. It
1: so I myself still to this day do kind of suffer from asking for help. So, you know, I should practice what I preach. Right. So, um, you know, trying to make sure I'm healthy, you know, making sure I... Ask for help when it comes to going to the doctor. That's very common. I never go to the doctor. So, like, personally, (laughs) like, working on my own health is something that I've been trying to do for the last three, four years, I feel like. uh, I've mentioned that to you a couple of times. Professionally, I have been um, trying with a colleague, Dr. Veronica Vasquez from Electrical Engineering, have been working really closely together on professional development. So we have been trying to set, um, you know, do proposals for conferences. We've presented twice now together. We submitted another um, proposal for a conference, uh, an international one. You know, fingers crossed that goes well. Uh, Her and I are both going to an administrator's institute to try and help our professional career. Mm -hmm. Um, How can we be better administrators? So those are two large things we're working on this academic year is how can Veronica and I, or excuse me, Dr. Vasquez and I kind of be better at our professional careers and then personally trying to work on my own health is uh that one's a struggle i i try (laughs)
2: no i I do not i definitely understand i struggle with that too it's always up and down i start the semester strong yeah and then as things start to get busier i sort of you know that's the first thing i i give up (laughs) is is my own self-care and i try to just focus on the work and so that's something i've been working on as well so
1: i see it all day long Everybody, with yeah. uh, every interaction I have in, yeah. in engineering is that um, your lives are so busy. Oh, you have so much homework do, You have an exam coming up. You like your dissertation, are you working yeah, on that research, right now? research. Uh, <laughs> research right now that uh, I agree with you 100%. It's uh, exercise, um, sleep, right. um, making sure you're eating healthy. Totally goes out the window. And sometimes people think like, well, if you have the flu, of course you're going to take care of yourself. But you're not, like, technically sick. Right, so right, you right. feel, like, guilty that you take the time to go work out. Right. Uh, students feel guilty if they um, got a full night's sleep. Like, I should have been up studying. Why mm-hmm. wasn't I studying? And I, I don't know how to change that for people. But, again, I do it myself. So right. how do I how do I get people to do it that I meet when I don't do it myself either? Yeah.
2: I think one thing that worked for me is somebody told me a long time ago is like stop trying to build exercise and health around your schedule but rather build your schedule around mm-hmm. exercise and health yeah. and so when you're planning your semester the first things you should put down is when you're going to work out and and when you're going to um, eat mm-hmm. you know, I think that's something we forget we grab a cookie on the go rather than actually sitting down to have a meal um, and so that's something I've been doing I put all my lunches in and my and my exercise time on the on my cl- calendar mm-hmm. at the beginning of the semester and then I try to fit my courses around that but of course you know, in grad school, it's a little easier to do that. But when you're an undergrad and everything is sort of more prescribed, mm-hmm. it's much harder.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's a bigger challenge. And so um, yeah, I, I don't have any advice except maybe just try to build um, build some of that in
1: um, to yeah. your schedule
2: like pur- purposely. Yeah.
0: One last thing I wanted to talk about was mental health. Yes. So So many students come here with no background especially minority students in our homes we don't talk about mental health right i remember growing up mental health was you are seen as somebody crazy and stuff like that right you it's nothing they don't see it as medically uh, i i didn't know until actually i had family members who were suffering mental health and i saw how serious uh, that is. So many students come here with no background of what's about mental health and they don't know when even is happening to them. They don't know how to treat it. They don't know that they're supposed to go ask for help when that happened. Is there anything like that pushing that, uh, how to call it, stigma to mm-hmm. make sure that uh, uh, minority students can ask for help and stuff like that?
1: So the, we partner like everyone on campus really partners with uh, the counseling and mental health center Mm -hmm. CMHC and uh, there are several groups that have come out of CMHC that are um, maybe uh, support groups Um, sometimes people don't like to see a counselor by themselves or they're not ready yet but they'll go to a group with like other students Mm -hmm. and so there have been groups that have been formed for uh, students who identify as um, LGBTQ or students who identify um you know, a veteran and also students of color. So that has been coming along in the last few years. And then the Cockrell School, we have our own care counselor. And that has been phenomenal Mm -hmm. because when someone is in my office and I can tell they're maybe kind of uncomfortable with the idea of talking about mental health, um, the care counselor is like 10 feet away And she's still in the engineering advising office. Mm. So it's not – there's the – hopefully that stigma is like, well, let's just walk down two more doors and just see if she's available. I'll go with you. Mm. Instead of let's go to CMHC on the fourth floor and you have to get in the elevator. Sometimes admitting you want to talk to someone is hard and then physically going to a building is hard and then, oh, no, everyone's going to see where I'm going is hard. So I think – with the care counselor being in the engineer ESS advising office has helped with the stigma. But, um, again, like I was saying earlier, you can't force someone to see a, a counselor, Definitely. but you can talk about it one time. Why, why don't you come back? Let, let me s- tell me how that one exam goes and then come back and we'll talk again. Maybe reintroduce the idea one more time, mm-hmm. you know, it. and then maybe the next week, how, how was your weekend? Um, did you end up talking to so-and-so? Why don't you come in and, and we'll, we'll talk about how your weekend was and then maybe the third time we can walk down the hallway to our care counselor's office. I I think that is helping with uh, breaking down that. The stigma. That. Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely. Is there anything else you want to add, bro? No, no,
2: I just really want to thank you for your time. Um, uh, you know, this was very insightful um, and it, it was very genuine as well. Um, and, and we definitely appreciate that, and I think our viewers um, will also appreciate that. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank definitely.
0: you. Definitely. One thing that I recognize from the beginning is your authenticity, your ability to just be real and be, make sure that you give your all truthfully. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing in, in, in you that are, I think any of our, any of the students that come see you see that see, oh, she's just trying to do uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Thank you for your help. And I really appreciate taking your time to come share your knowledge and uh, advice on on this podcast. And I feel like we need to get more advisors in the podcast uh, to talk about that side uh, Mm -hmm. instead of just the students talking about their story.
1: Well, I want to say thank you to both of you because I also think this, um, your program, your business is also helping break down stigmas. Because it's helping see, students see like, okay, maybe I will ask for help or uh, maybe I won't stop at no. So when I hear your podcast and I hear students' struggles and the barriers they went through, but, you know, they're, they're sitting there. They're talking to you. They made it out of something. Right. So your uh, podcast is actually breaking down those walls at this university and around the country and the world too. So thank you to you both. Course.
0: thank you, you can do it there too. you have it go ahead sir. you
2: can do it too <laughs> yeah,
0: <sir. laughs> oh, there you go <laughs> there you have it ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for giving us your time see you next time so there you have it people thank you so much for tuning into the mamba inspire you are not alone podcast we have another great story next episode make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel twitter and instagram for updates look up mamba inspire <laughs>